Hey everybody, this is Jim from faithtestedbyfire.com, and you are listening to the Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Hey everyone, this is Jim. Thanks for joining me for today's podcast, and I'd like just to start by just sharing some encouragement with you uh, in today's podcast, talking about um, tests, trials, the things we go through, just being human here in this world today, uh, but yet having the Holy Spirit, the promises of God, being part of and connected to the family of God. Sometimes that seems like a uh, like an intellectual fact. What I mean by that is it's just some data, uh, but it doesn't really have the relevance that we would like it to have. It doesn't have the impact um, that we would like it to have in our everyday experience. And one of the things that we have to understand is that, uh, yes, as, as a believer, God has given to each of us, according to the Bible, the measure of faith. And to him who believes, nothing is impossible. And so we have that on one side of the um, table, on one side of the ledger, however you want to put it. And that's what you might call a spiritual reality. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Faith only deals with things that are not seen, because once you can see something, of course, you wouldn't need to believe it anymore. For example, um, if you had uh, no way of seeing what was in your driveway right now, someone might say, well, we, we've given you a, a new car, and it's been bought and paid for, and it's parked in your driveway. And if you don't have access, if you're not within sight of your driveway at that moment that you hear that, then you have to either believe the person that told you it was so, or you could doubt what that person. You might think they're just kidding or <laughs> it's not for you, whatever it may be the case. And so that's just an example on an earthly level of faith and how it's used. Once we see something, we don't have to believe it anymore. We know it. Um, so when we get into spiritual things, though, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Because you're not going to see heaven. Uh, you're not going to walk down the streets, so to speak, in the heavenly world, in God's heavenly kingdom until you leave this earth. And the Bible says that, you know, flesh and blood can't inherit the, the kingdom of heaven. And so even if you've had a vision before, you've heard people that have had visions before, there's never been anyone who has you know, spent maybe two or three years in heaven and then come back down to earth and talked about it with all its uh, minute details and what goes on there and what it's like to live there. You know, it's not like somebody who comes over maybe from another country and they tell you about what it was like to live in that country and all the details and what you can expect and you decide to <laughs> go on vacation there, right? Heaven is, it's not like that. Even those who have been caught up according in the Bible, that have seen glimpses. They're, they're just that. They're just glimpses. And some of the things, like Apostle Paul said, can't even be described in, in words that are familiar to us. In other words, there's no human words to describe some of the things um, that are there. But yeah, a lot of the things, it seems like that place that we call heaven, of course, it has the same designer as this earth does, except there, nothing is fallen. Everything is in its original um, creation state. You know, there's there's no 
unrighteousness, the Bible says in heaven, there's no iniquity there. But you see, this is all faith, and, and we use faith all the time without even being conscious of it. But when we use it in a spiritual sense, uh, a lot of times people are not really 100% comfortable with that. They want to believe that it is, but yet um, the Bible says that faith is, uh, is a fight. It's a fight to believe when you see in front of you contrasting evidence of that. For example, if, if somebody falls dead in front of you and you see them there physically, they're no longer breathing, they're no longer alive, if that person's a believer, then, then you have, there's something in you that tells you that that person has gone on to be uh, with the Lord and, and, and is in that place. But there's also something inside of you that will fight that. The Bible says it calls it the carnal mind. It says the carnal mind is that enmity against the things of God. In other words, it's opposed to it. The natural mind, the mind that is based on, when we say carnal, we're talking about visible, physical things that can be weighed and measured and analyzed. And so that's what science is. Science deals with things that can be weighed, measured, analyzed, duplicated, if you will, something that is repeatable in, in, as far as experiments go. And with the, with the spiritual realm, we, know we can't contact the, that world with our physical bodies. I mean, the Bible even says that. And so it requires faith and belief uh, to be able to do that. And so, you know, we can go around and around uh, with that, uh, around with this topic. But at the end of the day, the person has to choose to believe. And when you choose to believe, you're still going to get um, a level of challenge, right? Your, your faith will be tested. The Bible says through many trials and tribulations we go through, uh, we'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. And if you read... Um, the book of Hebrews, you can read actually all of the different stories of people who met God, and you can see a pattern that's pretty simple to identify that, um, that each of these stories, that runs through each of these stories. And so, for example, you know, God appears to somebody, God initiates a, a contact now, sometimes he does it directly with the person. Sometimes he does it in a dream. Sometimes he does it through a prophet. But he makes contact with someone and he tells them something. He makes a promise. And then it's up to that person that he made the promise to, to make a choice to decide to either believe or to doubt what was promised. And we see this, whether it's with somebody who is... Um, what we might consider to be the stature of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or David, or the apostles, or whether it happened to be on a, what we call maybe a common everyday person who heard and believed like the centurion in the gospels that heard about Jesus and went on behalf of a sick servant so that Jesus could speak the word and his servant would be healed. Or maybe just a few blind men on the side of the road hearing that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and so they raised their voices. So God maybe didn't speak to them like he spoke maybe to an Abraham or to a Moses, but he still spoke to them, and they still got a tremendous miracle. Matter of fact, the Bible, there were so many miracles and so many things that Jesus did that the Bible says that how many books would it take to, to go through all of these uh, to talk about all the things that Jesus did during his earthly 
uh, ministry. The Bible says that multitudes of sick and infirmed and maimed and uh, people were brought to him, and he says he healed them all. You can just read that for yourself as you go through the Gospels. Multitudes of people he healed. And, and none of these people would we consider to be on the same level as like Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or David, or even the apostles. And the interesting thing is when we get to the book of Acts, when salvation extends from beyond the boundaries of Jerusalem. Remember what Jesus said? He said he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, <clears throat> to the woman that came for her daughter. <coughs> Excuse me. The daughter, I believe, had um, was like a, a lunatic, had demons. And she says, yes, but even, he, he says he wasn't sent to the dogs, which was how the Jews referred to the Gentiles. Eh, that may seem a little harsh, but that's the truth. He wasn't sent to them. God gave Jesus a mission, and then he gave uh, the disciples a mission to go out into all the earth. That includes to the Gentiles, but it all started in Jerusalem. Or, or it all started in Israel, I mean. So when we look at that, the woman still said, yes, but even the dogs eat from the scraps that fall from the master's table. And when you really stop and think about it, the Bible does say that there are not many mighty in terms of this world, how the world looks at people. Not many uh, rich, mighty, powerful people who are called. Matter of fact, you can say even the reverse is true, uh, th that the people who are considered to be least here in this world, in this earth, will be considered great in the kingdom of heaven. And, and several stories go through my mind, like the woman who, uh, the, the widow, the widow's mite, the one that put all she had in there, just, just a little widow woman. But yet, of course, we do read in the book of Hebrews um, what we call the, uh, the hall of faith, the people that uh, God used to do mighty works. And, and sometimes, you know, you look at these people and, and they seem, well, maybe they're just a little bit beyond where you're at. In other words, it's harder to identify uh, maybe yourself as being an Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. But these people are given as examples. But consider this, all of the multitudes that Jesus healed, that came to him for healing. Uh, couldn't they be also included in Hebrews chapter 11? I mean, did they all have faith? They, they, they had faith to receive healing. Multitudes. Now, yeah, somebody could make the argument, yes, but they saw uh, Jesus in the flesh, and that's a little bit different. But I just want to put this out there to you. And that's the fact that, yeah, maybe they did see Jesus in the flesh, but you have to realize that they had the same capacity for doubt, fear, and unbelief as the rest of us do, because we're all human, in other words. Faith is a fight for everyone. And, and just like any other type of quote-unquote fighting or combat, the more you do, the more experience you have, then the easier it becomes or, or the better you become at it. But even so... Jesus made statements like the flesh, you know, profits nothing. It's the spirit. It's not by power or might, but by God's spirit. So it's really God's spirit in you. That is what, if we want to call that the X factor, the thing that gives you the advantage over the enemy, um, and that's what it would have to be.
So uh, let me read this um, from Romans chapter 4, verse 17. It says, as it is written, this is about Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. This is the American King James Version. Before him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken. So whenever we look at scripture verses, whenever God makes promises, this we know for sure, like I was talking about just a few moments ago, that God is no respecter of persons. And it appears that they didn't even realize that until the book of Acts, when salvation came to the Gentiles. When the Gentiles started getting filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues in the book of Acts, what does it say there? I I perceive that they perceive that God is no respecter of persons. And and it goes around to say that in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. But all there is is a new creation. So God doesn't treat you differently whether you're black or white. God doesn't treat you differently whether you're rich or poor. God doesn't treat you differently whether you're male or female. We are all the same in Christ. We all have the same righteousness assigned to us. We all have the same forgiveness. We all have the same spirit. And we're all called upon to fight the good fight of faith in believing what God said, in having our faith stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me look up that scripture quickly because I forgot where it was. Uh, Let's see here. You know, sometimes before I do this podcast, I'll write a few scriptures down. Sometimes I just pull them from memory. But the thing about pulling them from memory is sometimes it can get a little bit cloudy exactly what chapter and verse that was. Well... 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 5, that your faith not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, think about this for a moment. Let me, let me put this out there, too. Let's get back to Romans chapter 4 that I was reading. It says, And not being weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. You know, at the time that Abraham got the promise, it was like another 20 years before the promise came to pass. And you know he did struggle during that time, right? Because he tried to make God's promise work in his own power by laying with uh, Sarah's uh, handmaiden. Remember that? Hagar? And then he gave birth to Ishmael? But he wasn't the son of promise. Isaac was. And because of that act, we have that all the way down to today. We had that division between the promise and the son of the spirit and the son of the flesh. Now, if you've never heard that story before, I don't have time to go into it in detail. But the the moral of the story is, is that when we try and make God's work in our own strength and own power, and when I say making God's word work, I could even say making our prayers work or making our faith work. 
You know, some people say, well, you know, you should have faith in your faith. I say, you know, that kind of thinking is kind of circular. Right? Because it, it, faith is walking by faith means not by sight. In other words, we walk as though we can see what can't be seen by the physical eye. Hebrews 11.27, talking about Moses, says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So faith endures by seeing him who is invisible. That's God. Faith endures as seeing the promise, the healing, the deliverance that is invisible. But because if it's not, vis- if it's not visible, I mean, if it is visible, we don't have to believe it anymore. We can see it. Faith only deals with things we can't see. I guess that's what I'm trying to, to get over again. In Luke twenty two thirty one, Jesus says to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted or strengthened, strengthen your brothers. So the principle here is that what did Jesus, pray? of all the things he could have prayed for, for Simon. He prayed that his faith fail not. And I like, again, Hebrews eleven twenty seven. it says, uh, as seeing him who was invisible. Moses took action as seeing him who was invisible. Faith has the ability to see that which is invisible. Jesus, the Bible says, is the author finisher of your faith, and so you have the ability to see that which is invisible. But, but here's what, what, where the rubber meets the road. Talking about Abraham. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. He considered not. See, if you walk by faith and not by sight, that means today you have to consider not your own finances. Consider not your own back pain. Consider not your own job or lack of work, or lack of income. He says he staggered not because he considered not. You know, consider means to think about, mull over. And, and that's why faith is, is such a fight, because when we can see something, when we can hear something, when we can feel something, we have contradictory evidence that's always presenting itself to us. Or maybe not continuously, but yeah, if you're in physical pain, then you have contradictory evidence working against your mind day in and day out. But Abraham's example, he staggered not, but was, grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. And, and so the thing, that, thing is, is that if you go for weeks, months, or even years asking God for help for a certain problem, trusting God re- regarding a certain situation, and you don't see it, then it becomes easy to judge yourself as having a lack of faith simply because you don't see any visible evidence that it's even working. You don't see any visible evidence that your prayer is working. There's no visible evidence that God has heard you. And that's, that's where the spiral begins. And so people ask, why? Well, why is it taking so long? Why is this so hard? 
And it's especially discouraging if you hear people giving testimonies of instant results, instant answers, instant relief. But again, you can go back and look at all of these stories, the ones that the Bible chose to record, and you can see it was an effort. The people fought the good fight of faith going all the way back to the beginning. There were always enemies coming against them. They were always outnumbered. They were always outgunned. The circumstances always were impossible to solve using physical, visible, measurable, what we would call solutions. Or maybe what well, it didn't look impossible sometimes, but maybe, for example, the army was outnumbering them 10 to 1. Or there were giants instead of humans that they had to fight. Or the disease had overtaken them. It was incurable. So they all had to fight the good fight of faith. They all had to see that which was invisible. Because unless you, can, unless you choose to do that, unless you make the choice to believe and act as though this is real, then the only choice that remains is to give up, give in, or give out, and just let quote-unquote nature or the natural course of events continue as they're continuing. Right? It, it takes faith, it takes to resist what you see, and that's why it's called a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. And so here's the thing. I look at it like this today. There are uh, people that I've prayed for. I don't know how many years I've prayed for them. And then, you know, when I actually see them or I talk to them, when I see that they're no better than they were the last time or sometimes even worse, my natural mind, the carnal mind that measures things by by sight will say, you've wasted your time. Obviously, there's something you're missing, and you haven't found it in all these years. What makes you think you're going to find it now? And when those thoughts come, the emotions come behind it that make you want to quit. But this is the thing that I've learned is that faith will still work without the accompanying feelings. It's one thing to have faith and to feel positive and optimistic. It's another thing to choose to believe when you feel terrible about a situation, whether it's your own personal situation or the situation of somebody else that you're interceding or praying for. And so, and so I look at it like that God watches over his word to perform it. That's what it says in the book of Jeremiah. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow of beings on heaven, of beings on earth, and of beings under the earth. The book of Revelation 12, 11 says that they overcame the devil by the blood of the lamb and their word of, the, of their testimony. And so I continue to speak words of faith about that person. I continue to say what the Bible says about my situation. I continue to say that I'm an overcomer even when by all visible evidence, by all measurable 
quote-unquote fact, I'm anything but that. Do you see how that works? And that requires an effort. That's where the fight is. And that's normal. The same thing happens to every single believer in every single age, in every single era, from the garden all the way up to today. You're not, quote-unquote, an anomaly. You're not, quote-unquote, in a position that for reasons why you'll never understand until you get there, um, in a position where God can't or won't help you. There's no such thing as that. Every person who ever came to Jesus got exactly what they came for. The only time we see no or, or our question mark relative to a request is when uh, James and John's mother made the request that both of her sons sit at his right hand when he came in his kingdom, and he said that wasn't his to give. But relative to deliverance, relative to healing, relative to needs being met, every single person who continued to believe in the face of contradictory evidence, who continued to believe even when they didn't feel like it, who fought through even though they had the emotion of discouragement just attempting to drag them down, every single person got what they came for. Anyway, I'm going to leave that with you. I hope you got something from that. Um, Abraham considered not. You can take that verse and put your own name in there. In other words, what are you going to not consider? He had two things to not consider, his own body and the body of his wife. His body was dead. He was 100 years old. His wife's body was dead. But what did he consider? In other words, he had to look at something. He had to choose to look to God And as he gave glory to God, do you think he really felt like it? Can you imagine thanking God for something for 20 years before it comes to pass? Right? He grew strong in faith as he developed the habit of thanking God for something before he could see it. Of thanking God that he had something before it was visible. And he became fully persuaded that what was promised, God was able to perform. Think about that. God will be able to perform it for you even though you're inconsistent, even though you have negative feelings, even though you've dealt and wrestled with fears, and so on and so forth. Your faith is not in the wisdom of men, but it's in the power of God. So that's all I have for you today. I hope you got something from that. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you again next time. God bless.